We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your Wednesday midweek mailback podcast here on the OBR Film Breakdown. It's myself. It's Andrew Spade. We have a bunch of fantastic questions from you guys, the audience. We're going to answer all of them. Focus on each side of the football. We'll do our best. I actually can't say we're going to get to all of them because there were quite a few. But I promise this week we will get to all of them in some way, shape, or form. Bunch of great topics in this podcast. You're going to really enjoy it. Let's get going with the latest OBR Film Breakdown. They go heavy. Harrison Bryant now under center. Bryant hits left. Kareem Hunt, 15. First down, 10. Hunt at the 5. Hunt into the end zone. Snap is down. The kick is up. The kick is no good. It's no good. And the Browns will beat. All right, everybody, welcome into your Wednesday mailbag edition. We are going to continue to do these. I have to compliment the audience here. You guys have done a great job coming up with questions, giving us great topics to discuss, whether you did that via OBR DM. You can shoot those over through Twitter DM. You can tag me in something on Twitter or just respond to the thread that gets put out on the OBR film breakdown where we are calling out for questions. So a lot of different ways these came in, a lot of great questions. Not much time to waste, Andrew, because we have quite a few of these things, so uh, I welcome you in, ask you how you're doing, and then let's uh, let's cue one of these suckers up right away. I'm doing great, Jake. It's uh, wonderful to join you. I think we should start on the defense side because you know they deserve it. After it's kind of like when you when you play golf, right? Like you 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 have a birdie on on hole one, then you're on the tee first on hole two because you you kind of you won the hole. So the the Browns defense won won the first hole over the weekend or the fifth hole, however you want to put it. So they they get uh, honors. So and I think this is a really fun question to start off to. Let's exercise our brains a little bit. If you rank not just the thirty two teams, but the thirty two offenses and thirty two defenses independently, right? So the Steelers, for example, their their defense is probably around the top ten. Their offense is bottom ten, probably right. Um, of all the sixty four sides of the ball, where would the Browns defense rank? It's a great question. And and you so you have to first think of who are the elite of the elite. You know, I would yeah. think you would probably put Miami and mm-hmm. their offense very much near the top. Uh yeah. are there any I mean the Chiefs aren't what they used to be at this point. Offense wise, I mean the 49ers were rolling to start yeah. the year, yep. but that has worked 
uh, as we, we witnessed in the opposite direction. Is there any other unit that you think is near? I mean, I guess it's the Browns defense right now in Miami's offense. Is that, is that the case? I, I mean, as far as like what the, the true tops are in terms of production so far this season, it's, it's, you know, the question with these rankings is always, are you trying to be predictive or are you trying to reflect what has happened? Right. So like, if you're talking about through six weeks, who have been the best two units, it's the Miami offense and the Browns defense. No question about it. If you're trying to think about over the course of a season, who you like the best, I think you could make a case for ranking the 49ers offense, maybe even the Chiefs offense ahead of the Browns defense, just from the standpoint of when the chips are down, in the especially in the postseason, would you rather have Mahomes, Andy Reid, that entire unit or the Browns defense. Now I think the Browns defense is really, really good, but if you're choosing, you know, in terms of like how you, it, it, so it really just does come down to how you rank them. And I think I, I feel like there's a, there's some level of, if you're ranking the different units, there's some level of implication of which would you most prefer to have, I guess. And in that case, then I think you still do kind of lean offense just because of, that you know how the NFL works, but offense is down all over the league, right? And so these defenses, the good defenses, travel more than than ever. I think the the Ravens defense probably deserves a shout out too. Yeah, in terms of other defenses, mention. yeah, that's um, the only other defense offense. I'd probably mention the Eagles, uh, even though they've been a little hit yeah. or miss. But if you're doing predictive nature stuff, like yeah, and just yeah, they'll, they'll be they'll be they'll be where they where they should be. Even though I don't like what they've done this year as much as I liked what they did last year, but nonetheless it is, uh, mm-hmm. those are the teams. I think that's the grouping and the Browns yeah. having a unit that's in that grouping. And right now, I think you could say that they're, you know, the, the, the dolphins had one bad game in Buffalo mm-hmm. offensively and the Browns had one bad game defensively against the Ravens. So I think you can make a case that these guys are like neck and neck for the two strongest units through six weeks. And, uh, it's a real shame that they don't have them on the schedule this year. I mean, I don't mind not having them on the schedule this year, but it would have been cool to see those two Titans clash a little bit, right? So, um, yeah, that would have been a good one. Uh, let, listen, let's switch over. Let's keep going. We have a question on Jim Schwartz, Andrew. From This one comes from Hunter Anthony at HunterAnthony33 on Twitter. Uh, what do you believe is the biggest factor that Jim Schwartz uh, has brought to this defense compared to what we saw last year from mostly the same group of guys? I mean, I'm going to – argue a little bit on mostly the same group of guys. Yeah. I think that there's been a gigantic element of defensive line change there that has really helped. Uh, not that I would mm-hmm. prefer Joe Woods to, Joe, to Jim Schwartz by any stretch, but <laughs> I do think we have to be careful with saying this is the same defensive line unit because uh, quite yeah. clearly it is not. But the element here that he is asking is what has Schwartz brought? And I, I tee that up to you for your opinion. I think toughness. You know, We talked about this a few times since the 49ers game, the physicality that they're playing with, the the uh and then the mental toughness that comes along with that, the willingness, the almost desire to inflict, you know, a little bit of pain and suffering on the other team and then celebrate after doing it is a, is a hell of a one, two combination. So, you know, that that's probably where I would go first. I think it's also worth mentioning to your point. I think it's an open question what this defense looks like personnel wise, if they don't make the switch, because I think you could certainly argue that Jim Schwartz is behind some of the acquisitions that they've made. You look at the way that Maurice Hurst, for example, has fit into this whole thing. And it just, it feels like almost kind of a hand-picked, like, yeah, get me that guy. He can, he can do a number, you know. And then conversely, a player like Alex Wright, we kind of thought maybe he was on a short rope, but 
Jim Schwartz has really found a great role for him. And so I, I think finding personnel uh, outside of the organization and then utilizing the existing personnel, also a strength of what Jim Schwartz has done. I would say you're spot on. The only things I would add to that secondary playing a bunch of man. I think that has altered their, you're talking about toughness, physicality, belief in themselves. When a coach tells you, Hey, I think you can cover these guys, man to man. I believe in your talent. I think that has changed the element of aggression and confidence for them. And we've obviously seen the results uptick in man. So I think that is something that I feel he has brought that is completely different. They play no quarters and Joe Woods loved Mm -hmm. quarters last year. So they've simplified the coverages uh, to an extent. They're just upticking in man and reducing the sheer amount of zone. And when they do go zone, they're actually being relatively exotic in it with some cover two invert stuff and then doing some split field, different variations. The cover three hasn't been great. I need to see that get better. But from a scheme standpoint, that's it. I think they have freedom. I think you would agree with me, Andrew. The guys have talked about more freedom in their pressure situations up front, how they go about getting to the quarterback. I think that element has been there. And um, I think that's it probably from a scheme standpoint. The uptick in those two things are what stand out. The linebackers seem to be playing in a a better clip, largely because I think the linebackers are getting more help uh, from the guys in front of them that matter, right, to make their life easier. I think that helps to a large extent. But those are the things I feel most confident about what he's brought schematically. Uh, I do want to really echo your sentiment, though. He has brought bravado, a toughness, a swagger, that they have somebody who believes in them. They don't play a passive style anymore. And I think this group of highly touted guys that come out and come into the NFL, they need someone to believe in them in the same way. Instead of saying, hey, we're just going to make a defense, sorry, make an offense, take 13 plays to go score. That's great in theory, but you're not asking your guys to ever be aggressive in a way that accentuates their best skills. And I think I think what Schwartz has done is tried to tailor that to their best skills. And I think that that is, uh, I think that is pretty important and it's working out so far. We'll see how it continues to go. Uh, there are not going to be, um, you know, a bunch of record setting games every week. At least we might think they, they could, but um, we don't, we don't bank on that, but yeah, nothing but encouraging things uh, right now. So feel, feel pretty good about that one. The next one I think is a question on linebacker, right? Yeah. It's a question about uh, Anthony Walker. He left, uh, you know, with uh con- concussion symptoms and then now is in the concussion protocol probably going to be hard for him to clear protocol by sunday so and that's a shame actually i just realized you know he's going back to indianapolis for the first time since leaving there so disappointed for him that that he doesn't get that chance i mean you know maybe he makes a, a a sort of miraculous recovery but typically these guys miss a game you know what the way this plays out so the question is who wears the green dot who steps into the mic i think that Sione Takitaki is for sure going to step in. They'll play two linebackers. It'll be Takitaki instead of Walker, which, you know, I, I guess I would say I'm a little concerned about from the perspective of he's looked pretty slow at times this year, not just in, in foot speed, but in reaction time mm-hmm. compared to Walker and JOK. I, he is not playing quite as decisively as they are, and that is such a big part of what Jim Schwartz wants them to do. Uh, he's still got his trademark physicality, but not firing off the ball quite as quickly in terms of who has the green dot. I think that's an open question, Jake. I'm interested to hear what you think. They could go to a safety. They could go to Rodney McLeod. If they're going to play him a ton, if they like, they had that, that giant sense. uptick in three safety usage, which is definitely worth noting from last yeah. week. So they could go that direction largely because Rodney's so familiar with the verbiage of the system and all of that. Smart, I'm sure they could guy. trust. Yeah. They could trust Thornhill as well. I think mm-hmm. Taka do it though. Taka's done it. He's worn it. So he's been on the field. He's already been doing it. Um, 
this is probably just a situation where you need talk to play a little bit better. I think the last two weeks, the Ravens game in this past one just haven't been very good. While before that, I was really encouraged. I guess the secondary guy would be Tony Fields is my guess. Um, as the secondary, you know, player with a green dot, we'll, we'll see what they do with that. It's certainly something to draw our attention to, but it's not good to be missing Walker, uh, by any stretch. And like you're, you know, you just said, it's, it's a pretty big bummer to, uh, to not have him get his chance to go back to Indy where he started his career. And I think Mm -hmm. would like to, to have taken a little bit of vengeance there, but, but yeah, I I mean, I'm not to your point. There've been some moments from Taki Taki the last two games. I want to be very particular that have caused me to be like, what, what's going on? That, that last Mm -hmm. drive play he had was really ugly. Um, And there were some moments in the San Fran game that were really good too. You know, you and I referenced the Kittle punch and like, he's been playing physical. I think he'll be okay. I do just worry about some of the RPO stuff and putting him in conflict the way Steichen mm-hmm. and Indy can do. So I'll be curious to see if they try to pick on him with Minshew mm-hmm. and try to do some quick decision-making there. I did have one bonus question about defense, Andrew. It's not actually the Browns defense, though. It's this Grover Stewart news. Somebody shot over a message about, like, how does this impact mm. the Colts defense with his mm-hmm. suspension? And I'm just going to say it, man. That dude is an SOB on the interior. One of the best run defenders from a defensive tackle perspective. Not a great pass rusher, but a pure run defender. He's a he's a dog. So I'm just going to say, like, it's pretty obviously going to benefit the Browns for him to not be out there. Him next to Buckner is a very formidable interior duo, probably one of the best they've seen this year. So I put it this way. I'm not uh, in any way bummed that he won't be out there because he is a really good player. And if Joel would have been finding him in his first game back from the scope, I would not have loved that. So this is a um, from a defense perspective. Losing Buckner would be the worst for them because he's a more complete player. But this is the second most important defender I think they have from a sheer talent standpoint. So I do think it matters, man. But I mean, it obviously matters, but I think the degree to which it matters is pretty severe for them. Yeah, compared to other teams losing their second best defensive tackle, right? Like that's, Correct. I mean, that's the that's the context. Uh, and I do think, you know, I don't know a ton about the Colts, but my impression of their defense, it's Gus Bradley. My impression is that they try and get away with playing pretty light boxes and rely on their front to win pretty often. And so, you know, that potentially compromises that plan a little bit. Maybe they have to get, you know, somebody else involved in in run defense that they would prefer to have in coverage. So, I mean, I, I haven't really even turned my brain. The 49ers game was such an experience that I still have not really turned my brain forward to Indianapolis, but yeah, me neither. You start to kind of tick over on that a little bit and you wonder does this change the way Stefanski wants to get after them? Because you almost yeah. would say before this news, this could be a game, assuming Watson's back, where they want to live out of empty and try and throw around those guys rather than running it at them. Yeah, now that you can you know, put some of that double trap stuff they've been doing or yep. a little bit more inside zone, to your point there, which I think is well said, it, it can change the way the coaches are sitting around the meeting room coming up with the plan for the, when the guys get back on Wednesday. So exactly, uh, great point. All right, we don't have any special teams question. We did have an off-season question. Uh, more of a trade deadline question. We're not going to hit those yet. We're going to wait a little while, feel out where the Browns are closer to the deadline, and then yeah, see what just names not much are news popping yet. up. No, not there's not, not and much just news, be news yet. Yeah, total conjecture that we and, and again, not that it's not conjecture, no matter what. But I just don't even. <laughs> I just want to get through two more games, and then I swear we'll address that that conversation. So, yeah. um, listen, we got a lot of offense questions, and we should because the offense is very much still a mystery. Mm-hmm. So we're going to switch over to that quick break for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll dig into those. I think we have five pretty good offensive questions, so we'll take those right after the break. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, good friend of the show, Evan Dawson, uh, sent over a a two-headed question here. Andrew, do you want to take that one? And then um, I'll jump to the one after that when you're done. Yeah, I got this one. Uh, so, so the question here is, um, you know, basically asking about the speed 
at the wide receiver position, talking about, you know, Jarvis Landry for years and Rashard Higgins, not guys that can beat you down the field. They added Marquise Goodwin, but other than that, you know, still maybe not the fastest wide receiver group. So, so here's the first question is, is Goodwin enough to keep defenses honest? Or do you think that we're still forced to play with a smaller space because defenses don't fear getting beat deep? So this is a really good question and one that I don't have a great answer to. So let me say that the Browns are finding deep throws largely because of Amari Cooper. And Mm -hmm. that dependency they have on Amari Cooper right now is it's making me uneasy. He's great. He's been more than great to start the year, but there's a massive amount of dependency there. So there are two players that I really can't pinpoint what they're doing with one of which is Elijah Moore, which I'm going to try to write on tomorrow because there's a ton of unique stuff going on there that I'm just uncertain, uncertain of what they're thinking. And then, yeah, the good one, like, I just don't think he plays enough. He doesn't play enough to, to be a consistent vertical threat to, um, to really. And I think that they've been trying to force some of the verticality. Like I talked about this before that the, the amount of 20 plus yard throws, uh, juxtaposed to the amount of actual completions they have is among the highest yeah. in the NFL to the worst in the NFL. You really can't force that stuff because defenses are still shelling you too high and trying to take that stuff away a lot. So you have to you have to find ways to get to them, and they haven't found enough ways to get to them. But I will again say Amari created two gigantic ones on Sunday. Uh, they have to be able to take advantage of coverage bus, Andrew, which there were three of them that happened in the game that they did not take advantage of. But to the, to the point of the question, is he good enough? Does this, is the speed still there? Y- yeah, I, I think he should be on the field a little bit more, especially mm-hmm. if they're going to be playing four wide receivers and one tight end at times. He has been a little bit, but there's got to be a little bit more. I just, yeah. when they come off of some of these boot fakes, they have they have guys on the perimeter that I just am not threatened with very much. And and I think that they could they could do a better job of incorporating him in some unique ways. So, that's the first answer to the second question, Andrew, uh, is is Amari's a great route runner. I wonder if that makes up for his lack of breakaway speed. Does that help stretch the field, even though he gets caught by a linebacker? Well, you know, the Oren Burks thing was he was going full. Now, and Oren's a decent athlete. Mm-hmm. Like Amari's not a burner. He's a, he's a, he's a separation creator, um, you know, so I, I get the question. The you know the second part of that question: Do you think we're 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 forced to play with a smaller space because defenses don't fear getting beat deep? How do you feel about it? I mean, I don't. Elijah well, Moore is a big part of that equation. Let's put it that yeah, way. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and I think this ties into another stat that was bouncing around the internet today, which is that the Browns are last in the league in yards after the catch, and that's been a concern the entire time Kevin Stefanski's been in Cleveland. So when I start thinking about pieces of the the Browns' offense that feel difficult what i would say is that regardless of how many speed type receivers you have if you're not hitting deep passes that doesn't it kind of doesn't matter how fast the guys are and so you know there were there were shots early in the season that they took and they missed and and you know to your point jake they were coverage busts against san francisco it's pj walker but still you know he throws a decent deep ball pj has always done that they weren't getting to them so I think there's a component here that's less about personnel and, and also I think speaks to the scheme, frankly, because you see it with the 49ers all the, all over the field, right? Like the number of times that their wide receivers catch the ball moving towards open space as a part of their scheme, it's it's one of the reasons that they are the successful offense that they are. 
because it's it's like they're playing fast break basketball at times. I don't yeah. see enough of that from the Browns. And I think getting Elijah Moore more involved as a traditional wide receiver that runs the full route tree. I think, like you said, having Goodwin on the field more, I would love to see a if they're gonna, you know, they're they're living in eleven more this year. To me, I would like to see more Goodwin than DPJ as the third wide receiver in those those sets. I'd also like to see Cedric Tillman, as he comes back from this injury, get involved a little bit more. He's not a true burner, but he definitely can win down the field, right? And is is yeah. used to hitting deeper plays. So I think there's a personnel component, but I also think there's a scheme component to this. And I think one of the questions that the Browns desperately need to answer through the remainder of this season is what does their downfield passing game look like with a healthy Deshaun Watson, the full complement of receiving talent that they have, in a a full bore Kevin Stefanski scheme because we still don't have an answer to that question. Well, I would like them to also run. They run a very one cut style of route running on short route concepts. One, the the zero to nine yards. They're very mm-hmm. much a one cut route team. A lot of spacing concepts, which are usually just what are called stick routes or hitch routes, and they'll run a slant every now and again. Like the Niners were doing a lot of what are called pivot routes where you're kind of stemming outside, selling it out, then turning back inside. They'll run some whip routes, which is the opposite of that. I would like to see the Browns, first of all, have more of those in. And when they do use them, be better at them. Like I just they <laughs> sometimes look lazy when they're using them. Yeah. And I David agree. and Joku's guilty of this too, where mm-hmm. it's like, hey man, get out of that cut. You look like you're you're running in sand at times. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to be careful being critical of him too much because I do think he's doing a lot with where he's at. But like I, I'm just and I know this is Jeff Lynn's question about who steps up and makes an impact outside of Amari Cooper. We're trying to figure that out. I don't know. Like I I you know, Andrew and I pretty much are ho- steadfastly agree on Elijah Moore, where he is a depth downfield play. The two targets on the last possession for the Browns that were deep digs are the types of things that he should be running. His A dot should be deeper. He should be attacking blind spots, turning DBs around, hitting one cut comebacks, digs, uh, post corners off a quick double move. The way they're using him is 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 a little bit mind blowing. And I I'm going to say this, Andrew, if they're going to be, and this is what I'm writing about. So if you want to read more in depth what I'm writing about, if they're going to be this team that leads the NFL by double the amount of zero one personnel, which is four wideouts, one tight end, or zero two, three wide receivers, two tight ends, if they're going to do that, and they're going to make Elijah Moore this this motion orbit jet fly, if you love doing that. I'm cool with you loving doing that. How about you go invest in somebody that actually is good at that, right? Like, I feel like they've wanted to have this guy. You and I have referenced this many times. They've tried to have it with Schwartz. They tried to have it with um, JoJo Natson back in the day. How about you actually invest in somebody good at that to make that a real meaningful part of your offense instead of trying to change Elijah Moore's best parts of his game to be this player i think elijah moore looks uncomfortable i think he's lacking confidence and he looks uncomfortable doing these things they're asking him to do because he looks like he should be able to do it andrew he's a smaller guy compact he can burst a little bit but he's not built for that they're doing him a disservice operating that way with him so it's hard for me to sit here and tell you and to to answer jeff's question like who's going to step up unless they put more in better situations he's not going to step up right so then it's donovan 
And I think Donovan has been, I mean, I don't know. I think he's been the same guy. I just don't think the quarterbacks are having the time to process some of the backside digs that he runs and things like that. So that's not working out the way it used to. And then it's like, we haven't seen Tillman much. We've seen spurts of Goodwin, but it feels contrived when they do try to do something with him. So we need to see more of Watson before we make some giant, you know, stand standing point about where this, the secondary wide receiver group is going here. But like, uh, I, I feel what you feel is what I'm getting at from, from, from my perspective, guys. They need to find something from a secondary receiver. And David's starting to find a path here. He should have had a really big game with those screens. But yep. um, they need something consistent out of more. And I'm not even saying this is altogether player fault. They need to find yeah. something out of those guys. Yeah, and I, I think when we're asking this question through five games, it's important to remind yourself of the context, right? They have played against, by DVOA, the second-best defense in the league, the Ravens, the fifth-best defense in the league, the 49ers, the 11th-best defense in the league, the Steelers, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, the And then, the, you know, you've got the Titans and the Bengals are 19th and 20th. And those are, the you know, the, the Titans game was the game where the passing game looked the best. So you look at this future schedule, You've got the Cardinals, who are at the 31st defense by DVOA, right? So you've got that opportunity. The Seahawks are a middle-of-the-pack team. They're 16. The Colts are 17. You know, it's really until that next Ravens game before you see another top-10 defense. So can they start to – I mean, getting Watson back healthy is obviously piece one. But then three relatively, like, average to below-average pass defenses over the next three weeks, can they get some traction? Can they stack games, right? Can they build confidence and chemistry? They have been uneven. Part of it's the injuries. Part of it's, you know, uh, the bye week. Part of it is just they've been stymied by some really good teams. So I, I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to see them, you know, kind of start to develop the consistency that we want to see based on, like, finding softer parts of their schedule. Yeah, that's a great point about the defense because even the Bengals who just shut down the Seahawks, there's talent. There's talent on those defenses. Right, they have yeah, not they're faced 20th, many... but it's it's yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot more to do with kind of what they've been going through early in the season. They still have still have a ton of a talent on that defense. Yeah, yeah, they haven't faced many cupcake defenses. Um, right. That would be a yeah. welcome thing for them at this point. They get the Bears, uh, they get the Texans. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, yep. So there's um, like three bottom of the league defenses on the back half of their schedule. Those will be games where it's like, all right, let's put up 300 yards passing let's be a real nfl offense i dig it next question kyle hurlis asks i'm sure you've covered this and i missed it maybe the jet sweep stuff why the success rate on those things must be one and ten yeah we run it three times every game first with schwartz now more reasoning behind this well i mean <laughs> you watch the 49ers run it just fine they ran it three times for 30 plus yards there's a way to do it um the Browns just haven't figured that out. And I was talking about investing in a player better at it. Yeah. I think that I also think you think they've run that more. They've only run it twice this year. They've actually from a true flat motion fly sweep quarterback under center hands it off behind him to the motion guy. They've only done it twice. There was mm-hmm. one other time where they did. I think the Tennessee game where more had the negative 20. He was in the backfield. It was like more of a gadgety play than yep. anything else. But the true fly sweep stuff, it can be effective. If more had just cut up, he actually probably gets five or six yards. And that's what you want. A first down jet sweep is good for five or six yards. That's money. That's what hell. That's what Debo got on the very first carry for the 49ers mm-hmm. on it. Like that puts you in the second and four situation. You're fine. I again, 
the thing is the use of the player doing it. There's not a confidence from him and he's not comfortable doing that. So to me, that's the issue. I don't yep. want him doing that. Now that one didn't even count because it was a holding call largely because he decided to continue to stretch it laterally. And that's, you know, a guy's expecting you to cut it up and he's like waiting on the defender to chase inside, but he keeps going laterally and you don't want to lose him. So you hold him. Um, moral of the story is you think they've been doing it more than they have. I'm, I'm a big fan of the motion type because it does make defenses bump gaps and it makes them account for the player. And I like that. I really do but you have to actually make that player a threat to truly mean something to your offense. And Elijah Moore is not that guy to do it. And I think that it's frustrating fans and making them think he's worse than he is. And I'm really bummed for him because this is something he shouldn't be doing. And I wish that they would have taken selecting a player who could do that, like seriously do that or signing Mm -hmm. somebody in a way that would have mattered. I don't think Goodwin can do it. I I really don't. Maybe he could, I don't know. I don't think he wants to run anywhere near inside if he has to. So, you know, yeah, I I mean, so the the 49ers run that stuff with Debo and then he went out hurt and then they were using Ray Ray McLeod on those things. Well, Ray Ray McLeod was with the Steelers for a few years. He's a punt returner. He is not like a full route tree wide receiver. And so so he's he's comfortable with that, you know, but you think back, Anthony Schwartz was never comfortable with it because he's a straight line track guy. Right, uh, Elijah Moore. It's not his skill set. They were using Demetric Felton. It's not his skill set. It's a. Sp- it takes a specific type of guy. Well, and... the Niners were also not to cut you off, Andrew, but the no, Niners were also they were tight aligned, yeah. so they were then crack down blocking and having him run to the sideline. Mm-hmm. The Browns ran it in a way that was two wider receivers to the run side, mm-hmm. so that means you have to cut it up, mm-hmm. and it's like it's not a race anymore. It's a patience thing instead of a race to the side. If you're going to say, "Hey, we're going to bunch it up and make it a part of our," tight under center set here i'm for that with goodwin because he can run to the sideline faster than anyone else and turn the corner and get you five to ten yards but from a wide perspective i didn't i didn't like it but i i generally just want to say they're not doing it as much as you think actually giving him the football but they are still trying to do elements of that in a similar way which are not working they're just flat out not working yeah so you know i think it's as much about the personnel on the roster right now, I would say the guy that's most adept at that is probably Jalen Darden, who's on the practice squad and got elevated last week. That is more his sort of game. And so, you know, uh, if, you know, we, we, we kind of skipped over talking about the trade deadline stuff. If they think they can find a returner that can add that little element to the, to the game and also return kicks. That would be great. I would be in favor of that. You know, maybe they keep elevating Darden and making Tillman inactive. I we'll see how they handle it. So, last question here is a good one, and we're going to close on this one. And it is, what's more important? This comes from Blake Weiner, who is um, at Blake Weiner Law on, on Twitter. What's more important that Watson returns to twenty twenty Pro Bowl form, or that the defense continues to play at the level it is this year? I think this is. I'll answer it first and I'll be very quick about it. I think this is a comp. The biggest thing is that Andrew, it's a compliment to the defense because, you know, to see them doing this, it's, it's the most fun I've had watching the Browns from a, from a defense perspective since I can remember, I have remembered fun offenses, 2014 to 2007, right. Um, at times 2020, um, but this is the most fun I've had watching a defense where it's like, you're almost giggling to yourself because offenses can't figure it out. 
but we can't kid ourselves. <laughs> Getting Watson back to the guy he used to be in 2020, where he was kind of like around the Mahomes conversations is the most important thing to go where you ultimately want to go because your defense can be average if he's extremely good and you can go to those special places. So um, to me, it comes down to the the Watson thing is still the single most important thing looming to the franchise. And if I had to pick one of those two, I would pick getting Watson back to to being the really the really special quarterback that he was back in 2020. What do you think? I, yeah, I mean, just because of how much they've invested what they still owe him. It's, it's a no brainer. You got to go with Watson. I, the only way I think it's interesting or a closer conversation, I guess is the way to say it. Cause it is a very interesting question. The only way it's, it's debatable is if you, if you focus it in terms of, you know, trying to re- realistically predict what's going to happen this season, knowing what we know about where Watson has been, I think we know that if he gets there, it would be over the course of the rest of the season. And you might give yourself a better chance of winning games now if the defense, you know, does that make sense? I, maybe that, maybe that's not, I'm, I might be overthinking it. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's the better way to say what I'm trying to say is it's hard to, walk away from how great this defense is to, to your point, Jake. That's it's, the point. That's the point. Yeah. It's really it hard to, it would be, you know, it. I, it's hard to imagine Watson playing like a, like he did in 2020 this week against Indianapolis. And it's very easy to imagine the Browns pressuring and, and uh, sacking the hell out of Gardner Minshew. And so <laughs> in, in a way it's almost like stick with what you know, man, you know? So I, I guess from that perspective, it's tempting, but yeah, in terms of like the long-term health of the franchise, uh, that quarterback showing up again would be such a relief, I think to everybody, it, it, you know, and it's, it is a really nuanced question too, because then you also get into the whole question of the quarterback versus the scheme and all that sort of stuff, which is a, you know, a conversation that I am looking forward to having again, once that quarterback gets back out there. I will say that another important part of that question or another important part of the analysis there is it's kind of funny because we say if the defense is the way the defense is right now, you just need Watson to be average, right? And if yep. Watson gets back to, to 2020 form, you just need the defense to be average. Imagine a world, guys, where the defense is where it is <laughs> and Watson got back to 2020. Wouldn't that be fun? Because that's when you start con- like seriously considering winning a Super Bowl. Like that's yep. the crazy part. So mm-hmm. uh, two bonus questions, like literally lightning questions on the way out, Andrew. Mm-hmm. What would Watson need to be at for you to think he plays in Indies? Like 75%, 90%, 95%. Do you think like like the question is, I don't know that he's going to be 100%, but do you think mm-hmm. there's like a comfort for them going out there at 75% of what he is? No, I that's, think if he's at 75%, you probably wait another week. Yeah. Just because of... This this is a one way thing, you know. He's got to get to a certain standard before he can like come rest back. is the only thing. Exactly, like, that's it. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and I like and it. the chance of him taking another hit against the Colts defense that plays pretty physical, I think, uh, is high. So you you want to wait until he's as healed as he can be before you expose him to that stuff. That question came from Eric at Warpath to Freedom. There it is, and then. Uh, there was one question I saw that I want to ask you today. I'll, I'll get to the rest of your guys' questions on Friday when we do behind enemy lines. I'll open with those because I want to get to everybody. Um, who is who has the best celebration right now? Is it Maurice Hurst belly rub? 
Is it um <laughs> this is this comes from OG Philly, our guy. Yeah. So the yeah, one yeah, makes yeah. sure we answer this question. Yeah, I, yes, is it I'm the Moher Speller? Is it the yeah. JOK like little ride the pony thing he's doing? I don't he does that one all the time. Mm-hmm. Um I think there's some I, other ones like Denzel's got the sword that he puts away. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really fun one. It seems mostly driven by the offense. So or sorry, defense. Apologies. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, pretty much no, the I don't think there's anybody on the offense. Cool. The offense is like Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb just hand the football to the official and run the other direction. Um, I guess Watson, when he's on and he's dialed in, he has the bow and arrow thing, which is his signature yeah. signature yeah. move. But yeah. I would probably no. go Hurst. The belly rub is fun. It's, it's really fun. fun. It's, you know, it, it's very inclusive, right? Because I feel like, oh, I could definitely do that. You know, like whatever JOK is <laughs> doing, it's like, I don't think I want to try doing that in my front he's yard. He's so you know? low but to the ground. It would, I can't even physically yeah. do it. Exactly. Uh, but I think shout out to uh, Obo Okoronkwo, his uh, sort of uh, laid back, you know, sort of uh, dance thing that he d- does. And I put a, cl- a clip of that one on Twitter yesterday because he got that. I think it was on the it was on that spin move that he hit yep. that all of a sudden he's in the backfield and is just on top of McCaffrey. He did it after that. And then like two other guys were doing it. And then in like the foreground, because you've got the you're, you're behind the defense in the foreground. Thornhill is like. 20 yards behind the ball and he's doing it you know what i mean so it's just <laughs> they all know each other's signature move. miles kind of like different every week i feel like so yeah we yeah. can't really give give him one so anyway it's funny that's a fun like question. The, the it's so funny because miles is by far the best defensive player right but mm-hmm. the defensive culture has kind of like erupted around him in a way it's really interesting that he's not at the center of it it's good it's good, right? You need some like I've always thought Miles is a better example setter, not a voice mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. And they have some good voice guys now who are not just bark. Like the the guys that are voice guys are genuine biters, you know. So yeah, I think that that's a good mix of guys around him, you know, who who can because I it, it, I think it's funny because the three leaders, Miles, and actually you could include Denzel. These are not mm-hmm. boisterous guys. Like no, you're right. If yep. you say Nick, you say Amari, you say those two defenders, Miles and mm-hmm. Denzel. I think they're very much example guys. And yep. you, you, you know, if you can bring in the auxiliary pieces, mm-hmm. the Thornhills, the Walkers, mm-hmm. right? That can be the talking types. Yep. Um, and I think they maybe are still searching for that a little bit on offense. Mm-hmm. I think you're obviously hoping Deshaun does that, but even Deshaun can be a little bit of a he's pretty a quiet. Bit of a, a bit of a quiet personality too. Mm-hmm. You start to run into that, so we'll keep an eye on that, right? Well, it's one of the things that's like maybe a little bit underrated about bringing Kareem back, you know, True. in the wake of, of Nick getting hurt is that he is, if nothing else, a vocal dude. And he's been here before, so he's not going to be hesitant to kind of start speaking up right off the jump. So yeah, a very interesting question that, uh, you know, we kind of made for ourselves here at the end of like, what does the offense have to do to find their version of what the defense is doing? And I, I don't, I have an answer for that right now, but that's one to think about for next time. Sure is. Maybe they'll answer that themselves by putting up some points, and then we start to see how that paints itself. That, again, yeah. it's all the quarterback's got to get right. It all it. it all runs through Watson. So That's it. we'll hope that uh, we get some good news on that in the coming days. We'll cover that in many pods. We'll be back for your Thursday podcast. Hopefully, we can get Mister Sporting News, Mister Baseball, to give us a couple minutes of his time. <laughs> we'll keep our fingers crossed. Should have that behind enemy lines Friday. Andrew and I do our weekend picks which I don't know that they went very well, Andrew. We'll talk about that a little more. I'm confident. Uh, toward the weekend. You know, you're always confident, so that's not that's nothing new. <laughs> um, you know, fake it till you make it. So that's we'll right. get all that. You know, you get your Sunday. You'll get Andrew doing the weather again. You'll get with Brad Ward. It's all going to be a It's a dome game, so we're good weather with.
Well, people want to know what it's like walking in. That's what they want to know. So, you know, we got a lot. I actually have heard there's a lot of Browns people going to Indy this yeah. weekend. It seems like so. there's uh, some buses, quite a few buses headed over. So, yeah, very it's, excited for how thing. that looks. A lot of barking. So, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, guys, thanks for stopping by today. Big appreciation to Andrew uh, taking the time. Um, and then appreciation to you guys for stopping by and giving us your time to listen in continues to be some record setting numbers. The reviews and ratings are awesome. You guys are really helping people find the pod. So very much appreciate that. And then consider joining the OBR for just $1 for your first month to get that experience with the best Browns community online. So for Andrew, and myself, we appreciate you guys very much. Have a fantastic Wednesday and go Browns. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.